Tim Bozeman. We've been at Mansfield Bible for nine blessed years, and I have the privilege of serving as our Awana commander this next year. We're going to read Ephesians 3, 14 through 22. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, that Christ, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, According to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You guys go ahead and be seated. Give us just a moment here. How you doing, man? Boy, it was, uh, worship was awesome today. It has been, but I, I love to see people clap. Now, if you ever, you ever stand over there and you look at me and you see me not clapping, please understand it's not because I don't want to clap. I just literally don't have the ability to keep in the timing to be able to sing and clap at the same time. If you ever see me clapping to a song, I'm probably not singing. It's one or the other, and I, uh, and I, and I guess, you know, it kind of goes kind of goes both ways in that, that way. Um, really excited um, this year with Tim being our new uh, uh, Wanda's commander. And boy, it's going to mess with me today again, isn't it? This is not, I've not had any of these problems and here I go again today. All right, there we go. Man, I'm getting better at it, dear people of God. Um, I went for like a year with no problems and all of a sudden this is like the second time, but I'm figuring it out. I'm excited about Tim being our Juana's commander. I think on the 29th, is that right, Tim? There's the Juana's kickoff. Uh, it's at what time? Four, 4 p.m. Uh, they'll be here. If you've thought about Awanas with your kids, uh, I would encourage you to come out that night, take a look at it. They do a great job of, of teaching the word and investing in our children with the word of God and how it applies to their life. So I would encourage you, if you don't, have, haven't been a part of Awanas or have thought about it, take a look at that. Also on the 22nd, I know they're going to mention it in a minute. I'm really excited when we talk about the family of God. We talk about coming together as a family on the 22nd. It's going to be a great time where our family is going to come together as a church. We're going to encourage you on that day to wear casual, to bring lawn chairs. And out here, out there's going to be all kinds of things going on out here. We're actually going to have some food trucks here and different things after church that morning. Would really encourage you, some of the guys are up here cleaning out the volleyball pit so we actually have a sand volleyball uh, place over there so it'll be a great time so you want to come casual and just enjoy that time together as a family as well and then I'm really excited as small groups take off again this year in September uh, we have some new groups starting we have one new group where I'm really excited about this group. Uh, some of them have gone through uh, just hardships in life and some of them have gone through divorce and different things and they're coming together just to learn to minister together. What is our mission as a church? We're a group of people coming together, learning how to follow Jesus, right? We're learners. 
We're learning to follow Christ, to be more and more and more like Jesus. And today I'm starting a new series called Passion for the Mission. I, I really want to really, I might get kind of excited today because, you know, anytime you come up with passion and mission, those kind of words speak to me as a person anyway. And I'm one of those kind of folks that kind of wants to get, get going, get excited, let's get it done. And so a little bit of that will happen today as well. So I'm praying that God speaks to you. To each of us, his spirit would move among us and his spirit would grow us and perfect us and move us into maturity as we would follow after Jesus and learn Christ in our lives. So uh, before we get started, let's go ahead and, and go to the Lord in prayer. Let's just pray. Father God, we come before you this morning. Father, as we come before you, I pray that your spirit would just kind of break down all of the facades that we so easily put on. That, Lord, we would tear away those things that sometimes we feel like we have to prop up to be accepted or, Father, to be liked or to be commended. Because in Christ, Father, you've you already demonstrated your love towards us. When we talk about reconciliation, you've already reconciled us to yourself through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we stand in the grace and the mercy and the, of the righteousness of Jesus. And Lord, just teach us that as we grow in Christ, that Father, we rest in his work. It's not in our accomplishments or the things that we attain, but that Father, as we grow in our walks and our mission, as we uh, carry out life, that Lord, we learn it's all about you. That Father, you would speak to us, your people, that your spirit would move among us because each of us, Father, we, we have different things that we're dealing with. And Father, I pray that your spirit would speak to us for your spirit knows all of those things. Some of us, Father, we just need, we need hardness of heart to be broken. Some of us, Father, we need to be enlightened and we need, we need to understand. And so, Father, we entrust you and we rest in you that you, Father, would speak to us through your spirit. And then, Father, just as I always would pray, just go past all of my own sins, my own shortcomings, my own iniquities, my own inabilities, and that, Father, you would speak to us, your people, today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we start on this series called Passion for the Mission, I want us to begin to think about what is it that we're about? What is our lives about? When I was 11 years old, my parents, I was getting in some trouble, and I've shared um, my salvation experience with many times, but I was 11 years old. I was getting in trouble. My parents said, we need to get him to church. Well, it did work. About four or five months after they started going to church, I heard the pastor teach, and he taught uh, that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And God, by his grace and his mercy and his goodness, his spirit spoke to my heart that day, and I received Christ into my life. And I always say, that unfortunately, probably some of the worst things I ever did in my life was after that. Because I didn't know, my parents thought everything was taken care of, they quit going to church, I didn't break any of my friends, I just kept doing the things that I had been doing and it continued to grow and, the, and, the, and so forth. It was about junior high, I felt like the Lord was kind of moving my heart and I started walking back down to that church again. And God was kind of speaking, but I still didn't break off those friendships. And it wasn't until between my junior, or actually my sophomore and junior year, that I really kind of made the breaks from my, from my friends. I, had, I actually set out of one of 
one of the athletics uh, that I was doing at the time and because uh, some of the friends I had in that, in that group weren't a very good influence. And I was really trying to set my heart on the Lord. And I remember everything, every day, it was all about kind of what I should do and what I shouldn't do. And it became this, this list of things. You know, how many times did I make it to church or how many times did I read my Bible, or have a quiet time or how many times that I did all these things. And in fact, I took that right into Bible college and even into my first and second pastorate and found myself, you know, going through all these kind of ups and downs, these times where, where man, I, I had control in my life, right? You know, there was... There was great discipline and, you know, and everything's going well and I felt like I was just on top of the world. God was good. He was blessing and all these things. And then, you know, those scenes, that, that presence of sin that we still have, we've been delivered from the penalty of sin, but we still have sin in our members. We have sin in our bodies. They all of a sudden seem to get control and then, man, I would be crushed and just discouraged and, and the Christian life was just all over the place for me. And it wasn't until... God started speaking to me about his grace and the power of his grace, the power of his mercy, and the fact that we're able to stand in the righteousness of Christ, that I find there the peace, the joy, the things that I desire from him in my life. It was there that I began to understand in the work of God, not that I've attained, but I began to understand the work in which God is trying to accomplish in my life. So as I began to approach this this series, this passion for the mission, I really kind of wanted to start asking the question of, well, really what matters most? What is the most important things? I mean, if we're saying as a church that we are a group of people coming together to learn to follow after Jesus, and we do that as we abide in Christ, as we understand that we belong to the body of Christ, and that we understand that God is using us to impact our community and our world around us, what does that mean to be learners of Jesus Christ as we follow him? And so for me, it would be really easy just to stand up here and say, okay, you got to read your Bible every day. got to, you know, do your devotions. you got to do, those are all good things, right? This is where you're all supposed to go, yes, Craig, those are good things. Those are, we need those things in our life. That's right. But there's, a, there's something about those that should be flowing out of us rather than something we manufacture in our life. And I begin to think about what is, a, what is a mission of our lives, what is a passion of our lives as, as the people of God, as the children of God. And I've, and I've stressed that, right? Haven't I stressed that about we are the people of God, we're his people collectively, but also individually. And we begin to think about what is the passion, what is the mission. I had to come to this passage in chapter 3 of Ephesians, it's actually a, a prayer of Paul for those Ephesian believers that they would understand some things. And there's three things that I kind of gleamed out of this. I, I'll be honest, unless we you know, get together and stay all afternoon, I'm not gonna be able to glean everything from this prayer. It's a powerful prayer, and I would suggest it to you to read it multiple times this week. The depths of these words are unreal if you listen as Tim read this morning. But the first thing I began to understand or find was there in verses 20 and 21 of Ephesians chapter 3. Look what it says. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Just stop right there. Isn't that? It's just amazing, right? It's just an amazing statement. I mean, when I read that, 
boy, it gets me going. It's like, okay, dear people of God, we can go take over our city, right, for Jesus. Can we do it? You know, we start imagining these things. And then so many times we look at this and we go, how many times do we hold back the work of God? It says, now to him, God, who is able to do far more abundantly, not just more than what we think, but far more abundantly than what we all, than all that we think or ask. It's a picture whereby God is able to do so much more and so many times I find myself holding God back because I can't imagine what he could do. Where when I do get those visions of where God can work and what God could do, I shut him down because I go, it's impossible, right? Or maybe it's just because I'm too tired. Maybe I've just gotten so busy that I don't even ask anymore and I don't even think anymore. That the body of Christ, the power that is at work in us, that's the next phrase, the power that is able to work within us, look what he says in the very next phrase, according to the power at work within us. It's not our skill, it's not because we have these great people that have these amazing connections and networking within our community and have these amazing connections and, uh, and skills and abilities and resources. It's not because of that, it's because of the work of the power of God within us. And so many times we never ask, we never think, we never envision, we never step out because we can't see it, because we don't understand it's about the work that's within us. It's not about our abilities. It's about the God who goes before us. It's about the God who's able to sustain us. It's about the God who keeps us precious in his hand. And so as I was thinking about this and I was reading this passage and I'm getting fired up, the next phrase just took me out. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Listen to that phrase. To him be glory in the church. To him be glory in the church. You see, our greatest mission as a church, as the people of God collectively and individually, is the glory of God. You see, I believe that when you look at this text, and I might go around this room and say, what do you think is the main theme of the word of God? And some of you would say it's redemption. Some of you might say it's the love of God. You might say several things, but what I believe the main theme of the scriptures is God's glory. Because I believe that when we boil it down and we understand the truth of the reality is that the purpose for which we exist is to glorify God. And when we begin to understand that, it changes the way we look at life. It's not about our to-do list or our conquer list or our discipline in life. It's about a mission to understand and to glorify God for that's what we've been created for. It is him. It's all about him. You are his people. And your mission, your existence is to glorify God. There's no greater glory, no greater mission than to glorify God. And I don't think God takes that casually either, by the way. I think that's important to him. In fact, in Isaiah 43, the prophet Isaiah prophesying and speaking there and God talking and he's saying, bring my sons from afar, bring my daughters from afar for whom I have called by my name, whom I have created 
for my glory. Isn't that amazing? He created them for his glory. That God and our mission is him. And it's his glory. It's his, it should be the passion of our life. We have been created for his glory, and he doesn't take that casually. In fact, I think so many times, and I have to, I have to train myself in this too, to be aware that we don't take casually things like praise God. Do you mean it? To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Amen. To him be the glory. And I don't think we take that casually when we walk through our lives. Sometimes we just, you know, I used to have a saying back, and I still say it every now and then, you know, if, if, the, if the creek don't rise, and God will it to be so, you know, kind of thing. And we kind of just said it because it all sounded good out in the country. But the reality is it's true. If God wills it, we trust him. It's according to his plans, his purposes. You exist for his glory. Choke it down for a second. I had to. Man, how many times we think about those things. What does that mean for NBC? If the mission of NBC, if the mission of the church is the glory of God, what does that mean? I'll tell you one thing it means. It's not about us. It's not about what, how we draw things out. I think so many people right now, they, they kind of look at the scriptures and they begin to try to make it adjust to what they think. It's not about us. And as long as our mission is about the glory of God, then it's about us living for something greater than ourselves. It's about living for him, that our passion, our mission is to be him. I think one of the reasons why so many times people struggle with Christianity is because they're not in control. It's not about them. It's about God. In fact, I kind of call this the doctrine of human sovereignty. I've just kind of made that up one day, by the way, so if you don't like it, that's okay. It was my little red flag. The doctrine of human sovereignty. What do I mean by that? It's self-sovereignty. It's all about me. It's all about what I think. I mean, to be honest with you, dear people of God, can we just be honest for a moment? Sometimes we walk in this building and we're like, oh, I don't like that, I don't like that, I don't like that. Why don't, can't they do this right? Why can't they do that right? Why can't they do this? Da, 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 da. And we become so critical in the way that we look at God's people. God forbid. It's not about us. Yeah, this is a good place for an amen, you know, just in case, you know, <laughs> y'all weren't sure about that. Just looking out there. I'm not even seeing the nodding heads, you know. So I'm like, uh, okay, Lord, we got some hearts to break here this morning, right? Amen, thank you. Yeah. I want you to know my heart has to be broken. It's about him. I remember as a kid, those commercials, and some of you, if you're old as I am, you probably will remember. Remember those? You deserve a break today. Have it your way. I remember, I remember those coming out going and hearing my parents go, yeah, we do deserve a break today. We do need to make, be made, you know, made it our way. And now we've gone to this extreme. It's, it's become a marketing ploy to draw us in and tell us we need this because we deserve it because it's all about us. And we walk into the church and it's all about us. And we forget that our mission, our passion is the glory of God. We don't exist for us. We exist for him. 
Somewhere along the line, dear people of God, as his people, we have to understand that. We have to break our hearts and, and bring them to soft before him. It's totally contrary to what the world is telling us because we walk by faith, not by sight. Because we walk in a, in a motion of faith. We don't walk by what we see. We walk in trust in a God in all of his glory and his majesty has called us by his name. Think of it like this. I was looking up the vastness of the universe. I didn't get to talk to James beforehand. Always, James and I over the years have had tons of fun conversations about this. So in light of that, I was like, I was trying to do some research. <clears throat> and so one of the things, I was starting to try to evaluate the vastness of the galaxy and there's so much, there's so much more information every year. But they came up this galaxy, or I read about this galaxy called GN-Z11. You probably heard of it, right, James, if I know you, right? <laughs> so, and it's probably the furthest detectable galaxy from us. It's 13 point billion light years from here. And I was, in my simple mind, I was like, how many miles is that? <laughs> That's a lot. It's really a lot. Next time you're driving home and you have that commute and you're complaining about how far you gotta drive, just think about how big our galaxy is, right? So if you were to take, just to try to put it into some kind of terms that we may be able to comprehend, if you take the number one, three, four, and then put 30 zeros behind it, that's how many, how many kilometers it is away from the earth. Think about that. That's a long ways out there. That's massive. And if you think of that, the earth is just kind of like a speck in the middle of the universe. And we're just a speck on the earth. And when you think about how big it is and how we are just like a speck on the earth and somehow we think that the, everything is surrounded about us, that it's all about us, that somehow we're the king of our lives, why, why do you think God created such a vast universe? What does he say? That the heavens what? Declare his what? His glory. When we start thinking that we're so great and we're so in control, just look at the vastness of our universe and, and the earth is like, like a drop in the ocean of God's glory and we're like a microscope or microscopic in comparison to everything. And, and we dare think that we could judge God? We dare think that we can control our lives? We dare think it's all about us? God forbid. God forbid. We don't exist for us. We exist for him. That's why the psalmist says, a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. He also says, the psalmist in 34, 18, he says, the Lord is near the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. You brokenhearted today? You're not far from God. You're not far from him. He warns us or says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, clothe yourselves. In fact, it says, all of you, clothe yourselves, all of you with humility toward one another. Why? For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. This isn't my words, this is God's words. 
that God opposes those who would be prideful, who somehow think it's all about them, really. In the vastness of humanity, it declares the glory of God. It does not declare the glory of humanity. And you remember that the God who made the heavens and the earth is the same God who loves you deeply. The greatest mission, passion for us is the glory of God. That's the life that God blesses. Our lives are about him, not about us. Our mission, our passion is God's glory. Amen? Not only is it his glory, it is also that we would follow Jesus. You see, when we lose light of this truth, our life will become literally irrelevant in the plans and purposes of God. So as we follow him, as we follow Jesus, we learn of his goodness and his mercy. I started thinking too, one of the things is, how is God glorified? And I would suggest to you from scripture that God is glorified by changing us. Look what it says there in Ephesians chapter three and verse 16. It says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Every time we are transformed, every time there's a life transformed in Jesus, it goes from self-glory to God glory, think about that. It goes from, from being after Christ to being after, I mean being after self to being after Christ. When we become more and more like Jesus, it brings glory to him. It's been interesting the last two or three weeks here. I've had two or three times where I've been in scenarios where I'm saying things like, hey look, I'm just trying to qualify, I know Greg Lingle, Sometimes he runs over people, he says things. He, you know, for me, it's about the, the, the task and I can start running, I say things, then people might get upset or they're hurt and I'm like, okay, well, we, we're sorry you feel hurt, but this is the go, right? I just, I've always struggled with being aware of those things. Last two or three weeks, I've had a couple of different people almost rebuke me. And they, you know, to the place where they're saying, hey, you don't have to say that anymore, Greg. And one person said to me, Greg, there's a tenderness in you that didn't used to be there. And at first I was like, oh, I gotta you know, get kind of tough, you know, because that's, <laughs> that's how I grew up, you know? I mean, that's how you survived, you know? It's kind of like, oh, I gotta. But then as I began to think about it, I began praising God and rejoicing because that tenderness is not because I created some list that I accomplished. That tenderness is because God is changing me. God is working in me, and to him be the glory. And as God works in our lives, and as he begins to transform our lives, as he begins to bring these things about in our lives, it's to his glory. I think he's glorified by that, because that becomes our mission, that we be more and more like Christ, that we follow after Christ. Keep your finger here in Ephesians chapter 3, and turn over to Matthew chapter 16. I was going to put a slide on the screen, and I said, ah, oh, let's just do it the old-fashioned way. You can turn in your phones, I guess, some of you. But if you have a Bible, turn over to Matthew 16. Keep a finger there in uh, Ephesians 3. In Matthew chapter 16, in the context, we're going to be looking at verses uh, 24 and following. But in verse 
13 of that chapter, Jesus says, who do people say that I am? The disciples replied, well, some say that you're John the Baptist, some say Elijah, one of the prophets. And Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, you are the Christ, the, the, the son of the living God. And Jesus responds and says, says, flesh and blood did not reveal that, but the Father who is in heaven, that God revealed that to you. And at that point, Jesus has this conversation with Peter, and he tells him, now your name's going to be Peter. So that's how we get Simon Peter. Very powerful moment at that, at that moment. A lot going on in that passage, especially as it relates to Peter. Just very powerful moment. So in the very next verse, in verses 21 through 23, Jesus begins to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and that he would be killed and on the third day he would be raised again. And sometimes I can relate to Peter because Peter grabs Jesus by the arm, pulls him, it doesn't say this in the actual text, okay? It says he pulled him aside, but this is how I would have done it. Come up and grab Jesus' arm, get him over here to the side and say, and the text tells us that Peter began to rebuke Jesus, telling him this must not happen. And you know what Jesus said to him? Get behind me, Satan. For your thoughts are thoughts of men, not the thoughts of God. And man, just, just powerful. He says your thoughts and your intents are really not of God, but they're of men. They're of people. And you are not thinking God thoughts. And then Jesus says this in verse 24. He says, if any, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now we, we all know that passage. We don't like to quote it a lot, right? Because it demands a lot from us. That to follow someone means to adhere to or to stick to the teachings of another. In this case, Jesus. It means to take up the ways of someone else. In this case, it's Jesus, that we take up his ways. When we begin to apply it to Jesus, it literally means that we begin to learn from him, to live like him. Following Jesus isn't like following someone on Facebook or social media. You know, the way we do it on social media, right? We kind of start out and we get this new friend and we're paying attention, we're looking at a lot of stuff on their site, and then we start missing a day here and missing a day there. And then after a while, we kind of don't even look. Every now and then something pops up. And many of us, that's, to be honest with you, that's how we follow Jesus. We bring him in on Sunday morning. Oh yeah, we get him in our life because that's what we're supposed to do. But then we begin to live out the week and we forget about him. We're not following him. We're adding him to our lives. But if anyone's gonna follow Jesus, then what are they gonna have to do? They're gonna to have to hear after him. They're gonna to have, to, to have to take in his teachings. They're gonna to have, to, have to believe the things that he says. In fact, he goes on and, and he says, deny himself. It literally is moving, the, the idea of moving from control to dependence. It's doing what is right, not, not doing what is right in your own eyes, but doing what is right in the eyes of Christ. It's literally moving from self-glory, self-control, it all being all about me to moving to a place where it's God's glory, it's God's control, it's all about him. How y'all doing? How you doing? Is the spirit moving this morning? Is he touching some areas? Is there some areas in your life where 
if you really had to be honest, you're just kind of, you're kind of controlling what's going on in your life. You're really kind of keeping God at a distance because you don't want him to bring out these things like whoever's gonna come after me must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. How are you doing this morning, dear people of God? Dear child of God, where are you at? Are you thinking about that? Are you thinking through those things? He uses that phrase to take up his cross. When a criminal was crucified and he had been opposing the government and it's been judgment brought down, he would put on the cross and he carried it to his destination as a picture of submission to that government that he opposed. And it's the same picture for us. When Jesus says, take up our cross, that at one time we were opposed to Christ because it was all about us. And now we're taking his cross and we're putting it on because now we're submitting ourselves to Christ. We're, we're following after him. It's, it's whatever his will is for our life. It's wherever he's leading us that we would go. We're no longer opposed to him, but yet we're dying to self that we might find life in him. John 10, 10 tells us that he came, that he might give us life abundantly. It's believing that and embracing that. In Matthew 10, 38 and 39, Jesus speaking there says, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And those words pierce through my soul. They're not the words I wanna read this morning, but they're the words that every one of us need to hear. Jesus goes on and says in that very next verse, whoever finds his life will lose it. He finds his life, it's all about him, it's all about what he wants. Whoever finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Because you have been created for a purpose and it's God's glory. You've been created for him. And I'll be honest with you, in our Western culture, we don't like that because for our whole lives, we've been having everything that's come through our TVs, our radios, our magazines, our, our media. Everything's been telling us it's about us. It's about what we want. It's about what we desire. We know what's best. And the reality is we don't. We don't have a world that is getting nicer and nicer. We don't have a world that is getting better and better. We have a world that is flipping calling things that were wrong right and things that are right wrong. We have a world that is changing. It's not getting better because we're finding ourselves. It's getting worse. And that the answer to our world is Jesus. It's who he is. And that if, our, if the people of this world would understand the reality of that truth, that it's about Christ, how our world would change. Let me draw it down. If we, as God's people at Mansfield Bible Church, would begin to understand that fully, how would it change? How would our lives change? How would we, how would we treat one another? How would we react to one another? He goes on in verses 25 and 26, he says, for whoever will save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Where are you at, people? Where are you at? 
Our mission, our passion is the glory of God. Our mission, our passion is to follow Jesus. But it's also to love Jesus like crazy. If you go back to Ephesians chapter three, verses 17 and following, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, listen to these words, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That is a powerful statement. So many times we have, we have filled our minds up with knowledge, but we didn't get the love of God. I, I've, I've heard over the years people who've studied the scriptures and take pride in their knowledge of the scriptures and have never seen them evangelize. And yet I know, I know that the heart of God is the lost. That's why his, that's why his son Jesus came. I know that God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That should move us that we would understand the surpassing love of God that in when we understand the height and the depth and the breadth and the, and the length that we would understand and be filled with all the fullness of God. You see that a life that is passionate about the glory of God, a life that is passionate about following Jesus is a life that is fueled with the love of God. You're not going to pursue him without his love. Greater the love for God, the greater you will be used by him. In Matthew, I believe, 22, we read these words. It says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And sometimes what we do is we focus so much on the presence of sin in our life, and we say we can't. We can't do that. Even though Jesus said it, we say we can't do that. But when we understand the love of God and the power of his grace and the power of his mercy, we begin to passionately pursue the love of God. It's not that I'm always gonna be perfect, but that I am always gonna begin to pursue the love of God. I wanna know his love. You know what Jesus says right after he says that? This is the great and first commandment. You think it's important to Jesus? Listen to what Jesus said. Listen, dear people of God. What Jesus and what God is saying to you this morning, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart. If there's one thing you do with your life, love the Lord your God. Listen to me, people. Right now, right now, it's not about your jobs. Right now, it's not about your, your spouse. Right now, it's not about your children. Right now, it's not about your retirement. Right now, it's not about your hobbies, your accomplishments. It's about your love for God. That when you really boil it down in your life, and you're talking about a mission, you're talking about a passion and you boil it down to one thing, love God. 
passionately pursue him with everything you have. Jesus said, this is the first or the great and first commandment. Some of you this morning are here and right now and you're looking for God's will for your life. I would suggest you just try this. Try this. What is the goal for your life? Love God. What is your ambition in life? Love the Lord. What is your purpose of your life? What is the purpose of your life? Why are you here? Why do you exist? Love the Lord. Love the Lord. Love the Lord. Amen. Amen. Dear people of God, it's to love him. My life is not about me. It's living for God. Do you think about these things? Is God moving in your heart this morning? That the passion of your life, the mission of your life is to glorify God, is to follow Jesus, is to love Jesus like crazy. Let's pray. Father God, I pray this morning that you just, you speak to us, your people. Sometimes, Father, denying ourselves, giving up ourselves is just so difficult. Because to be honest with you, Father, we, we inappropriately love ourselves. Yet we know that, Father, how do we love others unless we do? That we, Father, would be a people that become focused on you. That, Father, our life, our existence, our purpose is to glorify you in all that we say and we do. That we would follow after Jesus. Father, that deny ourselves. It's not about us, it's about you. And then, Father, just that we, would, that we would love you like crazy. That we'd be so moved with love towards you that we would see, Father, what you did for us. That in the vastness of the universe, that, Father, is bigger than our hearts can even begin to imagine or our minds to comprehend. You chose to love us. How can that not move us? How can that not comfort us? How can that not bless us that we would, Father, in turn passionately pursue you? May your spirit speak to us and move in us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.